1: Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley,
2: this is Cuda Confidential,
1: the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. After a 4-2 win on the road on Sunday in El Segundo against the Ontario Reign, the Barracuda returned back home to Northern California on Tuesday to kick off their final homestand of 2021, beginning with a matchup against the Bakersfield Condors. Just 3:08 into the first period on Tuesday, Barracuda forward Evan Weinger would inadvertently run into veteran defenseman Kevin Gravel with a high hit, leading to a melee at center ice. Resulting from it all was 41 combined minutes of penalties, including a game misconduct for Brad Malone, captain of the Condors. A second stint within the Oilers organization of Gravel is hurt, and it's gonna be a penalty against Evan Weinger, and going after him is Kemp. And you know, that was a weird little play, it looked very inadvertent. Gravel shake it up, and now we're gonna get a little bit of a melee. As now Brad Malone's going after Evan Weinger. He's got his helmet off, and Malone is the lines After nearly a 10-minute break as the officials sorted out all the penalties, we finally resumed, and the Condors were on a five-minute power play. On the man advantage, Adam Cracknell would score at 549 to give Bakersfield a 1-0 lead. So Bakersfield will bring it up ice from right to left. Seth Griffith, the former Manitoba Moose forward. Left wing side for Benson. Rink wide. And it's put in, Cracknell scores. A rink-wide pass by Tyler Benson right on the tape of Adam Cracknell. And the 35-year-old Cracknell is up to double digits. It's his 10th goal of the year. Then at 16:49, Barracuda forward Jaden Holmgawaks would make it goals in consecutive games as he snapped one in on the power play to tie it up at 1-1. Right off wall, Shomalovsky. Played it to the low slot, comes free, Hobgawox, he scores! Jaden Hobgawox, bar down, and the Barracuda tie the game up on the power play. Back on the man advantage, Bakersfield. Seth Griffith would cash in again, and the Condors would take their lead back, going up 2-1. Five players on each side come together, as here comes Griffith's shot, scores! It's a power play goal for Seth Griffith. And the Condors retake the lead, 55 seconds into their power play. The time of the goal at 18-16. It's a 2-1 lead now for Bakersfield. After a scoreless second period, the Barracuda, still down by a goal, would tie the game up as Ivan Chukovic would find Jake McGrew on the back post at 11:57. 57 Kesselring for Bakersfield around the horn. Pitching Magnus, centers in front, Latunov, leaves for Djokovic, near side, Tipton, they score! McGrew has goals in back to back games, and we are all tied up at 2 2. And then Joel Shulman would score to give the Barracuda their first lead at 17 48. Right off the draw, Shemilevsky's shot turned aside, Roderick to the near side, Shulman, he scores! Shemalewski finds Joel Shulman on the back door and the bearer could have their first lead of the game and it comes at 17:48 of the third. Sasha Shemalewski would secure the win with an empty netter at 18:59. 59 had been assigned to the American Hockey League earlier in the afternoon and finished the game with an assist and the game winner as Shemalewski racked up a career best three points. Here was
2: Barracuda head coach Roy Sommer after the game. Well, it, it was such a scrambly game that, you know, the first period, 11, we had 11 penalty minutes against us and then the next period wasn't much better. You know, it was just kind of a hard to get everyone in the flow. But uh, I thought the third period, like, you know, we talked about that, we go, hey, we have a good set, or good third and we do things right, get pucks in behind them and just settle down a little bit that we'll be fine. and. You know, we got opportune goals and, you know, on two great plays, the one uh, on McGrew and the Checo made and then the backdoor play, Um, you know, just really outstanding plays. But I thought we stuck with it in the third and, you know, another comeback for us, which you like to see. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, like, you know, like the the line that, you know, we talked about a lot with uh, um, Passer Chuck and, and, uh, and Gally and Berge, You know, they just couldn't get in the flow. And I, I, you know, I didn't play them a lot in the third, just be, you know, I like to roll four lines, but it was just so hard to get into it for them that, you know, we kind of went down to third, to three lines, but you got to kind of manage them. And it's the same thing that penalty killers that a, a team where your team's a lot of power play, they're sitting a lot and just kind of how the way things go. You know, you're fortunate if you get to do everything.
1: After two full days off, the Barracuda were back on the ice on Friday for the first of consecutive games against the Henderson Silver Knights, AHL affiliate of the Golden Knights. After Silver Knights defenseman Ryan Murphy was called for hooking at 1655, Shemalavsky would go back to work with his first of two in the first period on the power play. The first coming at 7:16. 16 is won by the Barracuda in the offensive zone. Russo hands off left side. Shelman rink wide for Shemilevsky. He scores! Shemilevsky sneaks one just inside of the netminder in the post. And the Barracuda have a power play goal. Then at 13-28, would do it again. Now for Shelman left half wall, back to the point for Russel. He'll walk the line, gives it back for Shelman winds up the save, is made, it was behind the goaltender, and touchdown. home, he scores! And Shomalevsky's got two power play goals here in the opening frame, and the Barracuda take a 2-0 lead. Former Sharks prospect Danny O'Regan would cut into the lead with his 11th of the year also on the power play. Chill games to start the year as we're back underway. Henderson on the power play here, but he gets to play AHL games. Now he gets to come back. He would be too young, really, in a normal situation to be able to play in the AHL, but he's going to play in the American League. Here's a shot by O'Regan off the top of that left dot. And he beats Melnichuk through the wickets. And Henderson is on the board on the five-on-three power play. And Danny O'Regan, who's really been hot as of late, finds the back of the net the time of the goal at the 16-minute mark. In the second, with the Barracuda still up 2-1, At 7.35, O'Regan would do it again, again on the man advantage. Chaz Redekop trying to support Weinger. It's fist free, and here's an opportunity for Henderson. There's a shot save is made by Melnichuk. It's behind him, and it's in the back of the net. And we are tied up at 2-2. A shot hits Melnichuk look like around that left shoulder and just kind of butterflied over him. Now tied at 2-2, Maxim Latunov will keep the Barracuda perfect on the power play with his 10th of the year, late in the second period at 18:54, With the puck, will carry it up ice from right to left. Tried to drop for Latunov, pulled it free, here's a chance, shoots, he scores! Latunov was dropped to a knee, but not before. He sniped it inside the far post, and the Barracuda, the power play, is cooking. Just 55 seconds into the third, rookie forward Brandon Coe would make it 4-for-4 four four on the power play as he ripped in his first pro goal to give the Barracuda a 4-2 lead. An opportunity to wind the gap between themselves and the Eagles for the fourth spot in the division. Pashnuk with the puck. Left flank now for Cole. Shut! He scores! Brendan Cole, his first professional goal, and the Barracuda are four for four on the power play. But the Silver Knights just wouldn't go away as Pavel Dorofiev made it 4-3 at 843. But not before Joel Shellman would score at 1041 to push the lead back up to two. But a good defensive recovery by the Barracuda. And the game remains at a 4-3 lead. Shomalevsky, he's got two tonight. To the right side, Malosh lost it over everybody. Into the zone, there's a shot! They score! Malosh with the Hail Mary up and over everybody for Shuman. But the Silver Knights would claw back into the game after the Barracuda went back up by a pair. At 13:30. Jonas Ronberg would put one in. And then at 17.55, Jack Dugan, the AHL's top rookie, would tie it up. But a late night's penalty would prove too costly, as Shellman would make it 5-for-5 five five on the power play with his second of the game in 1928. On the power play, Russo near dot for Holmgawaks. Pressure being applied, forced off the puck, but supported by Shemilevsky. Spins off pressure, hands off Russo, left side for Shellman, lights up! He scores! He scores! Shelman does it again, and the Barracuda take their lead back. They are five for five on the power play. Shelman would then complete the hat trick with an empty netter at 1943, and the Barracuda would hold on for a 7 5 win. For five on the power play tonight, a new franchise record. They had scored four power play goals, and Shelman's going for the hat trick. He scores! Yul Shulman gets the empty net hat trick and the Barracuda go up by two with just 16.1 seconds remaining in regulation. Shulman finished the game with a single game franchise best five points, three goals and two assists. The Barracuda also set a franchise record with five power play goals. And defenseman Robbie Russo set a single-game franchise record with four assists, all coming on the power play. Sasha Shomalevsky had three points on Tuesday for a personal best, surpassed that total with four points on Friday as he picked up two power play goals and also had two helpers. Here was Barracuda head coach Roy Sommer
2: after the historic victory. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, you got to give Chaser a lot of credit. Like, he, you know, was kind of struggling a little bit there and... You know, he had he took some clips out with them and had, you know, did some stuff with the guys and, you know, you could say what you want. But, you know, they reacted in a positive way. And I mean, five for five on the power play just doesn't happen that often. And like the last time I can remember it happened against us was when Palmerville was playing in Rochester, you know, when he was with Buffalo and that was 100 years ago. So it doesn't happen much. Had some guys with four or five point games and, uh, you know, hey special teams was what it was all about tonight it was crazy i i just think it's everyone's in their kind of groove and we don't have a lot of extras no, everyone's playing everyone's getting nice like i said you know we talked about it before but you know positionally everyone's a lot better they know what's going on um you know we still i think this is game 32 and we've had Thirty games with different lineups, but hey, you got to give it to the guys. You know they they come in and they, you know they they go to work and they stay with it. You know our last three games, I mean the Ontario one not so much, but the Bakersfield game we're down two one, we stay with it and end up four two. And you know they very well could have said when they tied it up like hey that's it. And but Maxi drives the net, draws a tripping penalty, and PP went to work again.
1: On Saturday, the Barracuda continued their four-game homestand looking to extend its winning streak to a season-long four games. But an early five-on-three power play for the Knights would set the Barracuda behind just 436 into the first as Jack Dugan would pot his seventh of the year. But Henderson's ace on the power play, Dylan Sakura, not available right now up top with the big club. In the Vegas Golden Knights, but he's tied for second in the AHL. Here's a one-timer off the left side by Dugan, and he scores. Just saying Zakura is tied for second with six power play goals. Well, Jack Dugan swipes one in, and the Silver Knights score just 20 seconds into that five-on-three. So they'll still have a good amount of power play time, a minute and 40 of power play time. Then Paul Cotter would make it 2-0 nights at 9.30 of the first. It's going to be scooped up in neutral by Paul Cotter. He'll work his way in drag scores at 14:39 of the opening frame Dugan was back at it with the second of the opening period as the Knights took a commanding three to nothing lead six minutes to go in this opening frame live from the SAP center at San Jose so Pahol back in his own end for the Silver Knights headman feet spots him in. here comes Dugan moving and trying to get to the backhand and he scores Jack Dugan has three points in this opening period. He put his head down like a running back and simply barreled his way into the net. He went into the net, the puck followed him, and it is a 3-0 opening period for the Silver Knights. In the second, Reed Duke would make it 4-0 Silver Knights at 14.55, all but sealing the win as the Barracuda managed his 16 total shots in the game, eventually falling 4-0. Just their second shutout loss of the year and second against Henderson. After Saturday's loss, the Barracuda looked to get back on track on Monday in the final regular season home game of 2021. And at 4.50 on the power play, Shemilevsky would pot his fourth goal over his last four games and his team-best fourth power play goal to give the Barracuda an opening period lead. Back to the right point, Shemilevsky carries it down the boards. That's some real estate Shut. He scores! Shomalevsky, who had seven points over a two-game stretch on Tuesday and Friday, was held off the score sheet on Saturday, but he's back on the board. But the Condors would answer back with consecutive power play goals in the first. First, Seth Griffith, and then the captain, Brad Malone. To the near side for Cracknell to Gildon. His shot wide, came off the back wall, and they score! It's Brad Malone, the captain. He scored three times on Wednesday. He's got another one here as he bakes it off of Melnichuk. At 17:32 of the second, Maxim Latunov will get his 11th of the year to tie the game up at 2-2, also on the power play. Recovered, though. Shemilevsky, right side. blood timer They score! Latunov in the waiting seconds of the power play. Snipes one past Stewart Skinner, and we're tied at 2-2. But just two minutes into the third, Bakersfield's Devin Brousseau managed to give the Condors back its lead at 3-2. But down by a goal, and down by a man, Joel Shulman, who was named the CCM AHL Player of the Week earlier in the day, raced up the ice shorthanded and beat Condors goalie Stuart Skinner to tie the game up at 3-3. Right wall, Weinger shadowing, pass intercepted by Shulman. Here comes Shulman down the left wing side. He's turning on the speed, works his way in, he scores! Shelman, the knuckle puck beats Skinner shorthanded, and the barrel have tied it back up as Shulman continues his white-hot stretch. Unfortunately, Cooper Marodi would then score his AHL best 20th of the year before Condor's captain Brad Malone answered Shulman's shorthanded goal with a shorty himself at 14:33, all but sealing the 5-3 win. They've already got two power play goals, but here comes Brad Malone shorthanded. He had a shorty on Wednesday, works down the wing, and he scores! Brad Malone picks the short side corner. It's a 5-3 to three lead for the Condors. The Barracuda finished the regular season in Las Vegas on May 8th and 11th. You can listen to broadcast coverage on May 8th on the Sharks Audio Network starting at 1230 Pacific Time with our pregame show. The game on May 11th will start at 7 o'clock with our pregame show starting 30 minutes prior. You can watch all Barracuda games on AHL TV through the Sharks Plus SAP Center app and at sjbarracuda.com slash listen. We had a chance to recently catch up with Sharks goalie consultant, Adam Frencilia. When we come back, we'll play part of that interview. This is Cuda Confidential. Welcome back to Cuda Confidential. I recently had an opportunity to sit down with Sharks goalie consultant, Adam Francilia. Without further ado, let's throw it to that interview with Francilia. What's your earliest childhood memory of hockey? What got you into the game and what do you remember from a very, very early age?
0: Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I think, you know, growing up in Canada, obviously, I mean, you start you start uh, watching hockey, you know, really early, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's just, you know, it's part of, it's so ingrained in our culture. Um, so, you know, growing up, you know, not too far from Vancouver, I probably grew up uh, about 30 minutes at that point outside of Vancouver. And so the Canucks were, you know, certainly, certainly the home team that we cheered for. And, you know, it's just, it's, it was part of everything, you know, back then, Um, you know the hockey card uh, craze was was uh, you know in full steam and so you know it's it's what you talked about at school it's you know you you traded hockey cards yeah you know you did knockdowns and farzies for hockey cards we probably we probably uh, we probably did that with some Gretzky rookies too Uh, looking at one that just sold for 1.29 million dollars we were probably throwing around some some valuable hockey cards back then but of what you did, you know, you watched hockey. You fell in love with it. You know, also too, you know, one of the things I remember from being, you know, you know, fairly young is, you know, that's when the Edmonton Oilers dynasty was happening. You know, with Gretzky and Messier, and you know, that was sort of, you know, they were they were fairly close, obviously being the next province over. So that really sort of spilled over to, you know, what was what was going on, you know, out our way, and. You know, it just, you just don't ever really remember, you know, you just don't really ever remember not being into hockey, you know, and you play in street hockey and, and, you know, it just, it's just what everybody does. So that's part of the, you know, it's sort of almost like a religion in Canada. So it's just part of what you grew up with.
1: Well, clearly you have a background in how, how the body works and how things are connected with the brain and the mental aspects. So you're an intelligent guy who certainly could have went a different path. But mm-hmm. did you always envision yourself staying within sports and really, really staying within hockey? Is that something you always said that you wanted to kind of be involved with?
0: Well, I think, you know, for me, becoming a, you know, like a sports performance um you know, initially more of like a trainer, but, you know, getting into sports performance for me, um, I was always drawn to the, the elite end of sports performance. You know, for me, it was always something that, um, you know, especially when I started to work with athletes, uh, what really, really excited me the most, what really motivated and inspired me the most was um, challenging myself to be able to be effective for the very, very best, um, at that particular endeavor. So, and once again, sort of, you know, where, where we live, the, the sport that, uh, had the greatest number of, you know, potential high end, uh, you know, top end uh, performers was hockey just by sheer number. And also, you know, by the fact that, uh, you know, in Canada, That's the sport that, you know, you do have the greatest chance of sort of making it big. And so that always, you know, that always was the most exciting part for me. You know, I've always said that hockey is an incredibly easy game, but it's a very complicated sport. So in other words, uh, the overall idea of the gameplay is quite simple. But the demands of the athlete that plays it is tremendously complex because unlike any other sport, it's played on skates, so the, the planes of motion, the movement patterns, the amount of amplitude, which is basically like force generation, force absorption, is unlike any other sport just because it is. You are on a blade. You are on ice. So the, all the glide coefficient and the different friction aspects of it. Um, and so there's a lot of, you know, whether you're a skater or a goaltender, there are, there are a lot of factors that are somewhat uh, unnatural. Uh, just because of the way we're able to move on the ice, so for me I just you know it was it was just became a you know a, almost like an obsession with different you know problem solving and and from then, you know trying to sort of not stand pat on what the status quo was in regards to um, you know training uh, you know the performance aspect of hockey. So for me, it was always always sort of the mindset of observing, studying, researching, innovating, creating, and you know that was, you know, I mean, I started doing that twenty-three years ago, and uh, I'm probably I I would say my inspiration level after twenty-three years is even greater than it was when I started. So uh, I was always drawn to it. It was all my always my favorite sport, and the cream of the crop was always. Uh, sort of the favorite level for me to train because it demanded the most out of what I was able to do. So that's sort of what, you know, that's sort of what lit my fire. So I think we've talked about it before,
1: but you didn't play goal as a kid. So being now uh, a quote-unquote goalie guru, you took a a little bit of a unique path to get there. But I've got to ask, when did that kind of, that switch and that light bulb turn on for you that you you may have a knack for the position and have an understanding through your background mm-hmm. that maybe others
0: wouldn't have because the, the approach you have seems to be a unique one. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, for whatever reason, and I, I don't think I really realized this until many, many, many years later, but um, you know, when I watched the game uh, for whatever reason, just innately, I always seemed to watch it from the goaltender out or from the goaltender's experience and and so you know I mean you know looking back I I know that when I'd watch hockey with my friends you know you'd see a forward you know you know make you know make a play you know come come from outside inside make a move and you know it was a really high you know a kind of a grade a scoring opportunity and the goalie would make a save and you know the the reaction amongst most people was, you know, being excited for, you know, the near miss or whatever that the, you know, the forward had for me, it was always more exciting when the goalie made the save. I always saw it from that perspective. So for whatever reason, you know, I, I was a goal. I was a pretty high level goaltender in soccer. So I don't know if there's sort of a bit of that built in mentality. Whenever we played street hockey, you know, I always wanted to be the goaltender when I had those options. Um, So for whatever reason, um, I I really realized that I, you know, I really paid a lot of attention to, um, you know, the goaltender's place in the game. And so as things moved along and, you know, like I said, I became really interested in analyzing the sport, um, you know, back then. And I mean, we're talking probably even 15 years ago, you know, I really noticed that the goaltenders were really not. You know, nobody really took much time to consider what the the needs of that position were, and and they were just sort of bunched in, you know, with the rest of the players. And you know, I've said for years, I mean, goaltenders they're, they're playing a different sport. They're just on the ice at the same time as the other guys. And I think, I think as a you know, for me, really realizing that almost approaching the study of it like a different sport, um, you know, has has sort of, you know, for me, it's created a completely different uh, mental paradigm in how I, uh, how I see the position, how I see it technically, how I see it biomechanically, nervous system, etc. And then, you know, the things to do to be able to, um, you know, to be able to address, you know, any of the neurological hiccups or any of the biomechanical hiccups that I see. So it was just always something that was there and I didn't really know it was there until I, I probably started working with hockey teams in general.
1: Give us an idea of some of your concepts as a whole, maybe, maybe like a clip notes version of, of uh, approaching, um, I I guess a client, uh, a goaltender in the
0: NHL approaching
1: a new client.
0: Well, first off, um, you know, a matter of, for me, it's a matter of uh, observation, you know, analyzing. Uh, I have, to look at things uh very very in a very very isolated manner uh, a lot different than you know a lot of people a lot of people see the game or even the position uh for me after all this time i sort of have the ability to see the body through the gear while while it's playing because obviously you know the goaltending gear is is so big um that it sort of hides a like, like I always say is the gear sort of hides a multitude of sins on what's happening in, you know, below it, at, you know, on the body. And so to be able to take a look at that, to be able to take a look at how the, some of the neurological tendencies or hiccups affect uh, a goaltender's uh, instantaneous physical response. Uh, so, I mean, I really, I look at it really on a tremendously deep and multilateral level, I think. Uh, and I'll tell you, I think the, the, the sheer fact that I, you know, the fact that I never actually grew up playing goaltender, um, I think has allowed me to adopt kind of a very unorthodox and unique viewpoint on it. And uh, I think that's actually been, been a tremendous advantage for me. So, you know, so again, very analytical in an unorthodox way. Uh, and, and the other thing too, you know, that's been really great is over the last decade plus, uh, well, I guess probably closer to fifteen years now, I really made a commitment to, you know, to learn the position uh, from every viewpoint. You know, from the goaltending coach viewpoint, from you know, from the from the gameplay viewpoint. And I've had a chance to be on the ice with some world class goalie coaches uh, that have been incredibly gracious and were excited to collaborate with me to learn you know, what I know, but at the same time, teaching me a tremendous amount because what's helped me, you know, do a better job of what I do is staying completely up to date with the current concepts of goaltending, where the game is, how the position is played because it, it, it evolves so rapidly. Um, so, you know, all those, all those factors have played into my philosophy Uh, which is ever-changing so that's sort of you know that's what i look at when i look at a prospective client and then from then it's a matter of unwinding everything to the fundamentals of stance and structure and what that means from a physical and neurological point of view and then once we get that right then it completely influences every read reaction and save selection that they're able to make off of it so in a lot of cases there's a bit of a mental rewire before we actually manifest anything physically a big
1: thanks to sharks goaltending
0: consultant adam francilia i'm nick nolenberger saying
1: thanks for listening and so long until next time